0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub One Hundred. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Aiton and Mike Duffy. This episode contains some strong language.
2: Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic Podcast with me, Mike Duffy, James Batchelor and Ben Aiton. We're delighted to be back after an international break because who really likes international breaks? Nobody. Uh, I'm convinced that even the England players don't really give a shit as well, that's why half of them pull out. But um, Yeah, we're back and I say this every pod, right? I say at the end of every pod, let's hope we're back next week and talking about a victory. We're back, and we're talking about a victory. Watford running out four-one winners against Manchester United. Yeah, that's right. Don't adjust your your phone or whatever you're listening to. We beat Man United four-one. Um, I called it as well. Just saying, I, I was going I wasn't gonna, <laughs> I wasn't gonna blag or anything, but I did call it. I said in this run, we can definitely get a result against Man U. Certainly didn't see it being four-one. But as I said, here to talk to me about it is James uh, and Ben. As always, Ben, coming to you first. Um, result aside, how's how's your week been? Obviously, like I say, we've had an international break. Uh, there wasn't any content from us. We've had a nice week break uh, and everything else. What what have you done with your, your week since we last spoke? Um, week since last spoke.
1: Um, Play football Monday night. Um... We won our final game of the season. We came back Get from 2-0 in. down to win 4-2. Um I finished top goal scorer for my team. Um I'm I'm two I'm about thirteen goals off from hitting fifty goals for the club now. Ooh. So I'm chasing down that record. Um and then just working during the week and then last night, the reason why we're recording late is because I, I went out to London last night. I went to see my favourite band play last night. Um, don't laugh everyone, it's McFly alright. Um <laughs> So I went to see them at the O2 with the misses last night. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Quality as per usual. And yeah, that's why we're recording tonight. So apologies that everyone's um had to wait an extra 24 hours for this podcast.
0: No Got kicked out of Strictly though, didn't he, Tom?
1: Ah, oh, mate, he he was fuming. You could tell he was he was really annoyed when he was performing on a stage. It looked like he didn't want to be there. But yeah, <laughs> the, the moment Mike told me that um he, he was in the bottom two in Strictly and told me he was against um you just knew he was going to go. Um, it's unfortunate as well because he was doing well and improving week in, week out. But, yeah, this is turning into a Strictly podcast. It is, really, man. Strictly. If the BBC um, are
2: listening on the off chance and, and do want a Strictly Come Dancing podcast, we're available.
1: You know what I mean? Mate, you, you <laughs> made me laugh last, last night when you was messaging me. He was like, I thought he was going to go all the way and watch it, but like three messages before that, you told me you'd not even watched an episode of this series. I've, how, I've got- how, how did you think he was going to win it?
2: I've not watched an episode, but um, I just know that he's got a background of like musical theatre and all, yeah. all that. So I thought if if anyone was gonna, you know, go go and win it, I thought it'd be him. So yeah, it but... was
1: the two choices of songs, though, weren't it? Like you said, it yeah. was like Footloose versus Lay <laughs> Miz And you just there's two totally different songs, and you just you know which ones would be more favourable, and who would probably come up better than the other but yeah that's enough strictly for one night well well, actually james are you a strictly fan
0: um i watch it on the odd occasion i quite like my musical theater so i did i did watch about half of of the musical episode the other week um or or last weekend i should say um and yeah i thought it was all right um but i wouldn't say i'm i'm a strictly super fan no
2: (laughs) Just yeah, that that surprises me that you don't watch that amongst the other show that you usually watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: What's
2: it? Family Fortune. Family Fortune. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. Well, is a a it still Gino De Campo? Oh yeah, no, I thought it was still. This is a, a longer been it's, since I've watched it. I was going to say, is it still Vernon Kay? Kai? But uh, yeah, he, he hasn't done it in a while. <laughs> oh, on it was before nerves, him, Les Dennis,
1: wasn't it? Les Dennis. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that was before I was born, though. So. Yeah, don't, showing don't your age really Have you boys started right? watching
1: I'm a
2: celebrity yet? i tell you what oh, I watched it watched it last night. <laughs> people are gonna be tuning in thinking, Is this voice in a vic? Am I listening to the Watford podcast about Watford beating Manu four one? am I listening to like a TV catch up podcast? We'll talk <laughs> we'll get onto to Corrie in a bit, maybe EastEnders, maybe flirt around the edges with Emmerdale. Uh we'll see how far we can get but um I haven't watched um out of interest, I, I haven't watched uh, *I'm a Celeb*. But it's a terrible lineup. Um, although I think they Richard... tend
1: to be the good lineups when they're a terrible yeah. lineup. Though.
0: Uh oh, David Ginola's hilarious. Like even in the first episode, I, I can tell he's going to be like
2: one, one of the one of the funny people this time. I think it'll be Richard Madeley or Danny Miller that will win it. Ah, oh, uh, Richard
1: Madeley, you're having a laugh, mate
2: Richard Madeley's class on this morning. Just a bit of side knowledge. And again, I don't mean to go off on a tangent like we already have <laughs> massively. But he earns three hundred grand hosting Good Morning Britain. Three hundred grand a year. He's taken over TV. from
1: Piers Morgan, hasn't
2: he? He has. If that's if that's the sort of money that's in T V, then slap me up, guys. Like I said, if BBC are listening, you've already heard what we t- well, BBC or I T V are listening. You've already heard what we're talking about, so get me on the T V. Um No, I'm joking. James, um, TV aside and everything else (laughs) that we've just chatted absolute rubbish about for the last God knows how long. Um, How's your week been, obviously, international break? What have you been up to, mate? Oh, God, nothing
0: nothing much, really. Well, I I, I hate the international break anyway, like, you know, Albania, San Marino, it's just not... Um, what I what I want to be watching really. Um but Watford certainly made up for that. I've not really been up to much. Like I, I I wanna sit here and tell you everything I've I've done during the week, but I've I've honestly been really boring and just, you know, just stayed inside really. So I do apologise about that. But Watford certainly made up for the boredom of the international break. Uh, honestly, you know, it was one of the best Watford games, one of the best Watford home games I've ever been to. It's it's
2: right up oh, there. Wow. So
0: yeah, I was delighted with it and and yeah, I'm just, I'm buzzing. I'm, I'm still smiling now about it. It was, it was so, so good.
2: Was the reason that you stayed in because you were so scared of this upcoming game because of the absolute frightening form Harry Maguire was on, and he obviously didn't care <laughs> about his doubters because we all saw his celebration against Albania. <laughs> like, was you just sitting there thinking, oh shoot, we got to come up against this guy. This guy was banging form, he's scoring headers against Albania. Uh, did he score? I <laughs> don't. Uh, did he? He scored against San Marino as well. So. I'm just I was watching it I was thinking oh my god how are we going to cope with this guy I was like you know I,
0: I, <laughs> yeah. I was actually so confident when when I woke up for the game um but I usually don't even buy a program but I just thought you know what I'll just buy a program today because if we batter them then then I'll regret um not buying one and you know I was I was obviously right you know James is can obviously predict the future because it was it was absolutely superb Met Brendan as well as Ben at half time. Brendan yes. coming over from the Netherlands. It, it was just a good day all round, really. I just thoroughly enjoyed myself.
2: Did and you, I Got um, home
0: and had a lo- lovely glass of orange juice. Oh, you <laughs> oh, know James, Boring, it, boring James Milner
2: account. James is beyond a boring <laughs> James Milner account, I think. Oh, um,
0: uh, maybe, maybe.
2: Your program. Did you get it off. Uh, what's his face? Dave, is it? Programs. Did game you, programs. No, Wolfie. I got it. Bolfi, that was the guy it. Outside.
0: There's a guy outside Friday. Get your programs. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not programs. That guy, but, yeah, I, I certainly, I certainly could hear get him your programs.
2: Linking back to TV, he always used to be in the audience for Big Brother. Oh, all the time, mate. He yeah, he did. Yeah, because yeah. it's set at Elstree Studios in Boreham Wood. And yeah, he always used to be on, there. Didn't he and sometimes. he had his wop cap on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, people are going to be listening to this thing. You know what? They're bloody. Hell. They're either going to love it or they're going to hate it. Um, but yeah. Uh, f- for me, not much uh, done. I mean, I've been to Birmingham the last couple of weekends. Two back-to-back wins for my boys, the Mighty Alton Ravens. Two-one. Um, the, the first the, the weekend of the international break. Uh, really, I saw
0: the um, bicycle. Rugged. I saw the bicycle kick goal, Mike. That oh, whole boy absolutely banging goal. Wow. And then yeah.
2: Saturday. That happens. Like, if you haven't seen it, head over to my personal Twitter and it's on there. I've been trying to get... I've sent it to Soccer AM hoping that they'll play it on this weekend show um, because it was absolutely unreal and uh, hats off to the guy who actually listens to this podcast, the guy that captures all the footage. His name's Yatesy. So Yatesy, for listening, thank you very much for capturing the footage as you always do. He comes to every single game home and away, no matter where we play, he's not a player, he's just, he just likes coming to watch us, so he's a top, top bloke, so Yatesy, you are a top bloke, and I hope you're enjoying, hope you're going to enjoy this podcast mate. Um, if
1: it's free on a Monday night, I bang them in every week. <laughs> he, ain't got that much he ain't got that much
2: memory, he ain't got that much memory Ben, on, uh, on, on his phone, and uh, yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's let's actually get stuck into the the Manchester United game. So as always, we'll we'll start with the lineups. There were three changes from the narrow defeat at Arsenal. So those changes: Rose was out, um, loser and cleverly. Oh, uh, sorry, Rose was out. Messina was in, and then Kushko was out, as was Tufan, and then yep. it was loser and. Um, my mind's gone blank it was loser and some cleverly that come in James staying with you happy with that side happy to see the inclusion of loser as well
0: oh yeah absolutely I mean I think loser has been, been probably been crying out crying out for a start behind the scenes you know our marquee signing eight million pounds um and it's it, it you know it's, it's been frustrating as, as fans to to kind of watch him you know rot, rot away on the bench and you Know on his show in yesterday, he, he you know, he obviously has bags of talent. You know, I've completely forgotten about the Will Hughes saga now because you know, mm-hmm. Imran loser looks to be such such a replacement for him, such a good performance. Uh, Tom Cleverly, um, as well, coming in, you, you know, what you get with Tom, you get work rate every game, he gives his 100 percent again. Uh, you know, that that was evident uh, yesterday against Manchester United. Um, and Adam Messina, as has been playing, you know, qu- quite well lately, and, he has, you know, has He's been keeping Danny Rose out of the team, so um, yeah, I was very happy with the lineup. Front three, uh, you know, starts itself really, and yeah. you know, Nicholas and um, you know, he, he deserved to start after his performance against Arsenal as well.
2: Yeah, Ben, the inclusion of Cleverly, I mean, midfield wise, there wasn't really going to be anyone else. I don't think he would have thrown Gosling in uh, to the mix. You know, he was on the bench. Uh, two fan made the bench as well. So whether that knock was as serious as they first feared, I don't know, but. Was you maybe a bit worried? I know that cleverly we, gosh, how many times on the podcast last season did we sing his praises, his um, his ability to chase down lost balls, to chase everything, and his his work rate? But a couple of times this season, you look back to the Brighton game, he was really off the pace. Uh, I think there was another game where he was off the pace as well. Was you perhaps a little bit worried with his inclusion coming up against? You know, I know Manu aren't in the best of form and weren't coming into this, but coming up against the quality of player, um, as opposed to the quality of the team cohesion that Man United lack, was you worried about Tom Cleverly coming into that midfield or was was you confident that he was gonna be the Tom Cleverly of old and, and really get stuck in?
1: wasn't concerned at all because like we all say we, we know what Tom Cleverley brings to this team and he's a workhorse and he sets the tempo and he, he actually starts the press half the time as well and I think he really suits this um, system that Ranieri's wanting to implement at Watford and he's, Ranieri's talked about his philosophy and that and that suits Tom Cleverly's style of play down to a T um, so I wasn't worried that he was starting. The, the, the midfield really picked itself, really, because, like you said, two found that he picked up a knock on international duty, so he, he wasn't really going to start. The big inclusion was Imran loser. I think Claudio Ranieri kind of confused the Watford fans midweek in his press conference when he was asked about uh, loser yeah. playing in an advanced role, and he came out and said he wouldn't be ready for two to three months in that role. So I think Watford fans were thinking, oh, we're not going to see loser for two to three months. And then um, come two o'clock Saturday, we saw loser in the starting 11. So I think that was probably the biggest inclusion, not the Tom Cleverley bit. Um, But yeah, uh, that midfield kind of picked itself a little bit. You you had to put Tom Cleverley in ahead of um, Dan Gosling. Um, I don't think we're going to see Dan Gosling in a Watford shirt again, if I'm totally honest. I think when it gets to January we could see him move on because he's not getting any game time. He's not featured one minute in the Premier League this season. I can't remember off the top of my head even if he's played any Carabao Cup action um, at all either. So I do think he's probably on his way out in January. But yeah, pleased with that starting eleven. I think that's the best that uh, Ranieri could have selected. Um, good to see Messina start again. Um, purely because we've said this again, I think Danny Rose lacks that pace on the left back. Um, where Messina's got that pace, and and like we've all just said, he's actually playing quite well lately.
2: Yeah, um, re Dan Gosling, um, twenty two minutes he got against Aston Villa in the first game of the season, oh. uh, and he played seventy nine minutes against Stoke in the Carabao Cup. Uh, but I, I get the point that you were making, um, Ben. Sticking with you, you said they're a loser. Obviously, uh, Ranieri said two to three months. Uh, it wouldn't. We wouldn't really be seeing him in that advanced role. It sort of reminds me of the Abdellah Decore sort of saga, where he only really played because was it an injury that was was it Capu come off against? It was Southampton at home. I can't remember the the full ins and outs of it, but basically Decore only got in the the team because of injuries. So, and then. The rest is history. A bit like Francisco Ciro to last season. He only got into the team because of injuries. And then, the well, I mean, up until the date, I'd say the rest is history. He's not had the best of luck this season with picking up another bloody knock with the Chileans. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But do you think that loser has now had his chance? He's played against Manchester United and he's put in a bloody good shift as well. So do you think it, we could see another similar de Dukouray scenario on the cards where he's he's got in that team purely because of injuries? He's now going to make that position his own.
1: Yeah, definitely. Sometimes you need this bit of luck to fall for you. Um, yeah. Losers, he's not even been getting substitute appearances off the bench. Last time we really saw him in the Premier League was um, against Bournemouth, uh, no, Brighton and we all know what happened at half-time. He, he was taken off after a poor first half performance. Uh, Sometimes you need this lap to fall for you. Um, Kuska picked up that um, second booking at Arsenal, which meant he was suspended for this game. Um, Tufan picked up that knock at international duty. So that midfield opportunity just opened up for him. So he he came in and boy, did he take that opportunity. He really introduced himself to Watford Football Club and the Premier League.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's worth noting as well, he's been performing for his um, international side Morocco the last five international games he's played but he's been called up they've won all five he's scored in two and don't have the assist that's in front of me but I'm pretty sure he's assisted in a fair few of those five games as well so he's been ripping it up for Morocco um, I, I think they've qualified for the World Cup I don't quote me on that but um, they've had a very strong international break uh, over the last two, so fair play to loser. He's he's had to be patient. He's you know knuckled down, and hopefully he can really solidify his place in the Watford starting eleven now because he um, he certainly put in a performance worthy of keeping that shirt in the midfield. Now, James, going into the game, um, we we obviously. We, coming in the back of a international break, and before the international break, we lost to Arsenal. But we, we spoke about that. There, there, were, there were signs against Arsenal where it wasn't all doom and gloom. Yes, going forwards, we struggled to create anything, really. But in terms of keeping Arsenal at bay at times, I certainly felt we did that. Um, going into the game, with Manchester United being in the form that they were, was you... Was you wary or was you confident? What was your thoughts going into it?
0: I I, I was honestly like like you probably thought we were playing Tranmere or, or someone like that. I was so confident. Like <laughs> every person I <laughs> spoke to,
2: we um, lost to the Tranmere by the way.
0: Last yeah, let's, let's not talk about. That. <laughs> <laughs> I should have put, I should have picked a different team to, yeah. to make that. Example, I know what maybe. you mean. But, yeah, but yeah. yeah, but there's you know there's there's these lots of lots and lots of elderly people you you sit around me where where I sit and. I was speaking to to a few of them before kickoff, and I was going, you know, we're going to win two nil. It's going to be really, really comfortable. And they were going to be James, you know, we're going to lose four, five, six nil. And I was really? not having it. I was, yeah, yeah. Honestly, what? I was just, I was so I was so confident going going into the game, and you know, from minute one to to when we got that first penalty, um, you know, we just we absolutely. I, it's I can't really describe it with words. It's just. It was pure domination from, from Watford against, you know, what, what is one of the biggest teams in the world. And, you know, apart from, you know, the Liverpool game where, you know, making comparisons back to, to that Liverpool 3-0, I know we won that game and that that was a great day. But I don't think we dominated Liverpool like, like we did against Manchester United on Saturday. It was just absolutely um, fantastic. And, you know, I've gone off on a tangent now, but to answer your question yes, um, I was very confident and, you know, they've been on such a poor run of form before, before playing us and, you know, ultimately we, we were the final nail in, in Ollie's coffin.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely, I mean, you know, they 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 were going into some really, really bad form coming into the game against us, but away from home, they'd actually um, only lost, I think it was one game prior in the league to us and that was against Leicester, they lost 4-2, and um, other than that, the you know they'd been pretty decent away. From, they hadn't lost away from home all season um, in the Premier League, other than that Leicester one. So yes, Manchester United have been on a dreadful run of form, but away from home they were still really strong. So in the back of my mind, that did play on my mind a little bit. But you you two were both there. I obviously wasn't there. I wasn't able to watch. Unfortunately, I was managing my team. Um, but Ben. James mentions there the, the, the sort of atmosphere, was it comparable to that Liverpool game where we won 3-0 and do you think that the atmosphere was better, because we've talked about this on the podcast the last couple of times, the atmosphere's perhaps been a little bit flat at Vicarage Road for whatever reason, but do you think the atmosphere carried us over the line and was it comparable to that Liverpool uh, that Liverpool game back in the 19-20 uh, season?
1: Yeah, no, 100%. You can compare the two. Um, I, th- I think Watford fans went there and they smelt blood uh, as much as Watford players did as well. But the fans uh-huh. actually believed we could get a result. We all saw that Oligon and was under a lot of pressure and he kind of had to deliver. United's you know, form was poor um some of their players were in really poor form as well, and it was it was a game under the lights at Vickery Road, and you just know how special they are. I know it was a three o'clock kickoff, but the, it was starting to get dark at that time, and the floodlights were on, and you just know the magic of like playing under the floodlights at Vicarage Road, and Watford fans could just sense something was going to happen, and from minute one, the, the atmosphere was amazing, uh, and then Watford was just quick out the blocks and just were bullying Man United, I think that's the best way of putting it, we were bullying them we was battering them all over a pitch and we was dominating them and they didn't like that at all and I just think the moment we saw the the players react like that, it just gave us even more hope and belief and then we just gave them that extra 10-15% in the the stands as well, and then the the players was like, Right, okay, then they fully believe in what we can do, and it just carried on a bit like that. Um, but yeah, there's definitely comparisons between the Liverpool game and the Manchester United game. I said to James at half time when I saw him, That's the best half of football I've ever seen at Vicarage Road. Wow, yeah, it was that good, it was that dominating, it was that good of football. Man United didn't have a sniff, I think they had, um, other than the goal no in the first half in the first half I think they had two chances I think Foster uh, maved them but there was comfortable saves apart from that they didn't have a sniff at all Um, it was it was really it was it was easy and that's yeah. against Manchester United. Like one of, like James said, one of the biggest clubs in the world. I know they're not up their for footballing stands at the moment. They're up there for the size of a club. But it's Manchester United. We made yeah, them look like a, a championship side or a League One side. That's how good that, we that, were in that been. first half. And,
0: you know, I, I kind of felt, I, I was sitting there and, you know, it, it was a bit strange because... You know, I felt that Southampton and Newcastle gave us a much harder test right. than than Manchester United did on Saturday. It was it was unbelievable to to actually be there and and kind of experience, you know, how bad they were. But as Ben said, you know, Watford were absolutely unbelievable. Every single player who, who stepped onto the pitch um was was ten out of ten. Every player contributed positively um to the game, you know, whether that's the substitutions coming on. Um, all the plays he started, it was just, it was fantastic. And, and as Ben said to me at half-time, it was, you know, at, it was one of the best halves of football I've ever seen What the play.
2: I think the, maybe a, a good way to, to explain it was we might not have the, the players like-for-like ability-wise. You know, you look at some of the names in that squad and yeah, they're not playing to their potential at the moment, but you, you would say that they, quality-wise they are better than some of our players. Um, you, you know they've they've got Cristiano Ronaldo for God's sake, and you know look at his decorative career. But I feel I I always relay back to to what Troy Deeney said once after the Arsenal game, and he says I might not have the quality to compete with a, the likes of an Urzel or whoever a well you know a, a class player like that. But if you want to take it sort of if in terms of fighting and in terms of you know, grit and determination, and p- rolling your sleeves up. He's going to win that battle every time, and it sounds like that's exactly what we did. We might not have played the best football. We 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 might not have, you know, we might not be this tippy-tappy style of football team. We might not have the best quality, you know, if you're matching us up against some like-for-like, but. We're going to give you a bloody good game, we're going to give you a tough time, we're going to be in your face, we're going to be pressing you, we're going to be physical, we're going to be direct sometimes and teams like Manchester United and the big boys, they don't like that, they don't know how to deal with it. A team like Manure a wounded animal. I think Oli Gunnar Solskjaer says we need to come back and we need to you know, come back like the wounded animal that we are against Watford. and. They, you know what I mean they, they, they probably come back as a dead chicken by the bloody looks of it but it, it was, so there, was, it was yeah. there was one
1: point in the first half that made me laugh and it was like how the mighty have fallen with Manchester United it was like yeah. 39 minutes on the clock Watford were I think was 2-0 up at that stage and United fans were chanting attack, 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 attack. I was like, you're singing that to Watford. <laughs> I, I remember It that. was 2-0 Watford and Man United, yeah. was. their fans were getting frustrated and it was like, yeah, you're not as big as you used to be, boys.
2: <laughs> no, do you know what though? It, it, it's so, so true and, uh, you know, I, I've, I'll have i probably get a little bit of stick for saying what I'm about to say but um, as, as most people all over the UK do, I... I Part of my family do support Man United. I mean, my, my cousin is a season ticket holder at Manchester United, so I have always sort of had a little bit of a soft spot for Manchester United growing up because, you know, family. You know, before I was a well, I say before I was a Watford fan. Growing up, I was, you know, surrounded by Watford fans in the form of my old man, and then my my grandparents were Manchester United fans and. Um, as I say, my cousins are Manchester United's season ticket holder. So I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for Manchester United. And it is crazy how far they've fallen since Fergie's left. Now, I don't want to make this all about Manchester United, but it is absolutely mental. It just goes to show that, yeah, you can spend all the money in the world, but Ferguson was obviously, well, I say obviously, Ferguson was world-class to to sort of piecing it all together. Um, And I I think... (laughs) It's just, he's crazy. I was saying to people in the lead, as I say, you know, everyone knows a Manchester United fan, no matter where you're from. And I was saying to Man United supporting friends, I was saying, I was actually more confident if we were going to play at Old Trafford. And as far as, in my lifetime, we've never won at Old Trafford. We always seem to get tonked or we always seem to lose. So, the fact that I was more confident going to Old Trafford. Old Trafford used to be... You you you'd, you wouldn't have a cat in hell's chance you wouldn't it, it was mad I remember when we went there in oh six oh seven the the season we come up on the Boothroyd right? now Chris I was watching a game from that season the other day and you look at some of the names we had we were we were not ready for that season but we got tonked about four one I think it was at Old Trafford and you you just were never confident going to Old Trafford I'd be confident going to Old Trafford now. I'm confident playing Manchester United at home. We've beaten them twice before. Obviously, we've beaten them the third time at home now in in recent years. We beat them 3-1 under Matt Zary. We beat them um beaten was it 2-0 under Nigel Pearson as well in the relegation season. So I don't fear Manchester United. And if I'm a Manchester United fan listening to this, I'm think I, I, my blood would be boiling. I'd be thinking this is Watford. The disrespect we've got over the last couple of days, Jamie Carragher, he can absolutely do one. I don't know if anyone's seen this, but he basically said, shouldn't be losing to a team like Watford 4-1. I watched them the other week and they were crap, basically, is what he was saying. And, I mean it's lazy journalism from his part because he might well have watched us the the other week and yes, we have been crap but the disrespect is... You shouldn't lose to a side like Watford
1: 4-1 it, but we it, beat Liverpool 3-0 a couple of years it ago. Is, <laughs> it, it,
2: it's disrespectful uh, and it, it, it does my head in... It, it's never... and So many people have made this point on social media. It's never... Watford did really, really well. It's Manchester United had a bad day at the office. I must yeah. say though... Hats off to Alan Shearer on match of the day. He did say, you know, Watford have been at the races today. Uh, I flicked on final score and uh, Ashley Williams was doing our game, and he he actually said, you know, um, you know, Manchester United have been really really poor, and I, I forget the the presenter's name of of it now. Uh, I think it's um, something Mohammed. I can't remember what his name is, but. Um, he said, and, and how have Watford looked, and Ashley Fletcher, you know, he gave us credit, so as well as Alan Shearer, Ashley Fletcher, but the main thing on social media, the, the, the big voices on social media, is it, it, it always reads out as, oh, Manu have had a bad game, or when we played Liverpool, Liverpool have had a bad game, no one talks about Watford having a good game. It's always it's always a narrative with the big six, and I say that in, you know I say that in quotation marks, but it, it does my head in. It really, really does. But you know, we we as Watford fans, only only we will know how well we've played, and you know we we absolutely bullied them, as you boys have said. Now, um, I just want to talk about the goals. You know, we've obviously been talking about the, the match itself, but um, we did. As you said, you know, that first half, Ben, we were dominant and it was almost too easy, as you described. Six minutes in, um, clumsy challenge by uh, McTominay, Josh King down. It took Moss a while to to point to the spot. I I was a bit surprised at that, but in the end, it was given. Um, Saar stepped up, De Gea saved it. Kiko Femenia ran running and belted it in the back of the net and it was brilliant and I thought yes Kiko's got his goal absolutely brilliant but then VAR looked at it and there was like it, it seems I think there's been a sort of a little bit of confusion around this now I think some people thought it, it was because of Femenia's encroachment um, but I think you boys summed it up to me before the, uh, before we started recording. It's actually because there was a double encroachment from Manchester United's part. And because the original penalty was saved, because Manchester United encroached, we then retake it, regardless of if we followed it up with a rebound and scored. So, unfortunately for us, um, you know, Saar stepped up again and De Gea saved it again. And, yeah, it was unfortunate. Now, Ben... You actually said at the time, because we were messaging, um, I, I messaged you at half-time and we were messaging sort of through the game, and you said you was actually surprised Si so stepped up to take the second one.
1: Yeah, well, when when the penalty was given, it was King picked up the ball straight away because he was one fouled and I, I think he fancied taking it. Um, and then there was maybe a bit of a... Saar taking the ball away from King. So then when things like that happen, it, it it's it's never a good look, is it? And then you think, Well, maybe their heads aren't in the right spot for taking this. Um Sartek stepped up and I thought the first penalty he took it really well, but it it was a good save from De Gea. It it was just a poor penalty from Midsman Saw the second time round. It was very slow, but it was very um there's not much pace behind it, the placement was even worse, it just went straight to De Gaya and it was a really comfortable save for him. Um if that if that was me, I would have said to Sa, look, you had your opportunity, um you've 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 missed it. Fortunately, um we've been given the opportunity to take it again. Let's give it to Josh King. Um We've been very fortunate in the past where we've had Troy Deeney step up for penalties. Um, so we've had that designated penalty taker. Um, I, I don't think Ismail is really a penalty taker for Watford. And I look at Josh King's record at Bournemouth where he was a penalty taker and he scored pretty much all the penalties that he, he stepped up and took. So for me, I'd want Josh King to take the opportunity there to slot the ball in in the back of the net.
2: Yeah, um, it, it, it was... It was weird to hear that Sarah had, um had had stepped up to to take the penalty, and I always think you know it, it happened to one of my lads. And I listen, Saturday amateur football is a lot different to the, the Premier League, but it happened to one of my lads in a cup game, and um, he he took the penalty and he, it had to be retaken. Uh, the first one was saved, and then he took the penalty again, and he went down the same same direction, and it was saved again. I always think if you're gonna if you're going to retake a penalty then i would at least change it up i would at least go another way or i don't know whether that would be too obvious or good you know i'm usually at the other end trying to save it because i've i've played in goal before so it's um yeah it, it is odd that Josh King didn't, didn't step up and take it um he scored 18 penalties in total Josh King has um you know that that's for um for Norway and for for Bournemouth, so yeah, he's uh, he's he's actually scored one against David De Gea, uh but they lost five two. The season they went down, so uh, yeah, um, yeah, not not quite as uh, he he's, he knows how to put the ball past David De Gea. And you mentioned there we usually have Troy Deeney. That that's just sparked the thought in my mind that the last three times we played Manchester United or. It, no, it's not the last three times, but we've had three penalties against Manchester United in recent years. Um, in the two-nil win, the three-one win, and then um, the the four-one win. In fact, the, the game which we didn't beat them, um, the two games which, which we didn't beat them, I don't think we uh, we scored a penalty. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, some record against Manchester United. They they really do not like playing at Vicarage Road, but. Josh King did get his chance and it was brilliant work by Dennis to bring the ball down because the ball come in uh, and he's, he's plucked it out of the air really nicely. Dennis could well have just absolutely hit it and just seen where it ended up. But he took it down, he played in Josh King. I actually thought it was really poor goalkeeping from David Hay. I was very surprised. It looked like it, it was more a placement shot as opposed to just hitting it and hoping uh, you know there there wasn't an awful
0: lot of power actually behind the shot was
2: there no so I was very surprised it went in but nonetheless Josh King did tap it in his fourth goal of the season his first one at Vicarage Road. His first, um, his first official one at Vicarage Road. Obviously he had one shortened up against Newcastle. James, he's really coming into his his own now, isn't he? It not only uh, as he scored a hat trick against Everton, he scored against his uh, another old club in the former Manchester United. Um, it's just a shame Bournemouth in the division because he probably would have scored against them, but. Um, He's really coming into his own, isn't he? And he's, we're really starting to see the Josh King that we know is in there, aren't we?
0: Oh, absolutely. And it's just, for me, it's just really, really good to have such, you know, a versatile number nine. You know, Troy Deeney, um had very specific attributes that, that you have to play to, to to kind of get Troy into the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas Josh King, he can play on the left. He can play centrally. He can run in behind. He can hold up the ball. And in this instance, he, he found a little bit of space ball into him from Dennis through through some lovely play and you know it's essentially a tapping and, and as you say poor poor goalkeeping from De Gea but, but yeah delighted for King uh, you know should have should have had a goal against Newcastle really that was disallowed um but he gets his goal at Vickery Drove and yeah delighted for him and you know thoroughly deserved at that point in the game. As me and Ben said earlier, Watford was so so dominant um <laughs> throughout the first half and you know Richie deserved deserved from, from Josh King.
2: Yeah, I, I still stand by what I said uh, in in the previous part. I think double figures for Josh King this season. He could easily go on to get between ten and fifteen goals this season if he carries on in the rich vein of form that he's in. Uh, and it's not just his goals as well; it's his his overall play. You know, we've we we've missed that. You know, Troy Deeney used to be like that. Obviously, towards the end of his Watford career, it didn't quite you know work out for him in terms of his you know. Um, he his overall style of play was was a lot slower, and you know he he wasn't as physical as he used to be. But we know there's a long catalogue of you know injuries that he was dealing with. But Josh King is the striker we've been screaming out for for a good good while now. Uh, so it's brilliant that we've had him. Uh, another man who I think deserves a lot of praise recently. He's been getting a lot of stick on social media for his YouTube and antics and. He got a lot of stick after the Arsenal vlog as well. Uh, we won't go into that. We we could, you know, it's opening a can of worms. So we won't say anything about that. But Ben Foster again, um, he two brilliant saves to deny Marcus Rashford, um, and Ben Foster overall, Ben, I think was was superb against his, his former employees, wasn't he?
1: He was a rock, mate, at the back. There was there was a point in the second half where he, he was one on one with um, Ronaldo was running one, one with him, and he made such a. Massive, vital save. If that goes in, I think United would have drawn level at that point. Um yes. And United were starting to turn up the gears and we were getting deeper and deeper. And United were seeing more balls and they were getting more shots and goals. So it was a massive save from Ben Foster. But it was very comfortable Saturday. He looks like he's got his uh, mojo back. He seems very confident at the moment. He's back to the best. And the football goalkeeping debate is, open, uh, is over. Who is yeah. the better goalkeeper at Watford and I think Ben Foster has shown that he's probably deserves to be at Watford number one at the moment and he definitely is better than Dan Batman at the moment on performances
2: I must admit I thought I was listening to an audio book of 50 shades of grey there Ben you're on about deeper and deeper and seeing loads of balls but uh, anyway <laughs> <laughs> A bit random mate yeah no no it just popped into my head so uh, I, I thought yeah you guys can share what what propped into my head but um no <laughs> Back uh, back into... back Very quickly, back into football. um, You know, Foster, as you've just said there, Ben, I think the debate is over now. Uh, do I think we'll see Dan Backman leave? It's looking more and more likely, isn't it? You know, Foster's been brilliant the last couple of games. Um, and Backman, uh, I think he played over the international break. I think he actually missed one game. Uh, he didn't play one of the games for Austria. So whether that was just a case of freshening it up for Austria or what, I don't know. Um, and then obviously with the signing of Okoye, I think it's pronounced. Uh, I, I think that pretty much seals Dan, Dan Batman's fate. Um, so that that will be interesting. And as well, um, it was announced in the uh, the athletic article because uh, Adam Levensall did an article on the goalkeeping situation. Um, I, I can't remember how many years off the top of my head. James, you're usually good at this stuff, but. Um, the Ponce Stolberg actually signed a new contract with Watford just before he went on loan to yeah. uh, Doncaster Rovers. I,
0: I believe it was until 2027, so a five, wow. uh, five-year extension for, for Dalberg, which which is fantastic, really. But again, as I mentioned before, it baffles me why why the club doesn't doesn't announce these things. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's
2: frustrating, you know.
1: isn't it? Keep, yeah. Don't don't keep anyone in a loop. It's like it's got to be top secret or something. But the fans deserve to know. And you know? like, that's good news to say as well. Like There was news about Serie A to sign a long-term contract the other week. We haven't had an official announcement by it. So it's lucky that we've got people like Adam Leventhal who digs a bit deeper and finds out this information to keep us in the loop.
2: Absolutely. Um, back to the game. Um, 1-0, we were up. The dominance was paying off. We... As Watford fans, we, we we do know that 1-0, well, for any team, 1-0 is not a very comfortable lead. But we didn't worry. That earlier penalty, double penalty miss, obviously didn't affect Ishmael Asar. Because Ben, he made it 2-0 on the stroke of half-time, pretty much. But a big, big shout-out to Kiko Feminier on this. He was It was Femenia and Sar, that link that we saw so much last season, that worked so much. Firstly, how good was Kiko Feminia Because you mentioned about that before we started recording. And secondly, Saar a very, very relieved person to score. He did apologise to the crowd, which I thought, you know, that that was absolutely superb. That shows that he, he is care, like he does care. He hasn't been trying to throw in the towel in the last few performances. It's obviously a weight up his mind. So, yeah, how did you think Kiko Feminia, Brilliant, Ben, and delighted for Ismail Assar to get back on the score sheet.
1: Yeah, firstly, Kiko Femini, best defensive performance I, f- I think I've seen from him. It, it's up there with that um, performance he had against Wolves when he was um, he had Terroir in his back pocket um, sure. back in the Premier League um, a couple of seasons ago. Now, um, that was a really good defensive display, but he topped it at the weekend for Manchester United. We've all heard about how good Kiko is going forward and we know what he brings to the side. And there's been... Question marks about his ability defending, but he he was solid, he was really good. He was getting stuck in winning challenges, good link up play um, with Sar again. And he he picked up that assistant with Ismail Assar. What a finish from Ismail Assar! Yeah, that is that's that's the goal of the game for me. The, The way he finished that, especially after missing those two penalties as well, right into the bottom corner, the guy had no chance. and my heart felt for him when he went over to the crowd. I just was like, you don't need to apologise to the crowd, mate. Look, it, it all happens. I think we all forget how young Ismail Asar is and we put a lot of pressure onto him. He's the same age as Emmanuel Dennis and we don't give yeah. Emmanuel Dennis as much stick as Ismail Asar. Ismail Asar is our top goal scorer and we the fans get on his back straight away. We need to show him a bit more respect. Got to remember, he's a young guy. He's going to make mistakes. He's still learning. He's got massive potential, but he's going to learn from these mistakes. So just, let's all just get off his back a little bit and just let him play his football and enjoy his football. Um, Because he, he shows that he loves this football club. He cares. And that apology to the crowd was just like heartwarming, wasn't it? It was just like, come on, mate, you don't need to do that. We appreciate it. But, you don't need to say sorry. Um, yeah. We're sorry for getting on your back.
2: Yeah, and Tom Cleverley, uh, apparently he was saying to him, you're the man, you're the man. So, you know, cleverly a real leader in there and that will definitely, you know, I'm sure he'll be, you know, giving the, as much praise as he can to all the lads. So it's good to see that team cohesion as well. Um, so going into the break, 2-0 up, that dominance paying off. Um, surely, you know, it was all going to be all okay from there and you know we were good value for the win uh, as it stood second half starts um, Manchester United uh, it, it, as much as they've been struggling I think it was always going to happen because of quality they do have in that team um, they do get a goal back Donny van der Beek you know he's, he's been um he's been frozen out by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and um he, he he's the one that ended up scoring the last goal in Solskjaer's three year reign. So that quite ironic that but um maybe James was there a feel of, ooh, this could go a little bit wrong? You know, Manu's started starting to get a feel of the ball a little bit. They pull a goal back. As Ben said earlier, Cristiano Ronaldo at, at 2-1 went through 1-1. One one. He he would have been offside if the ball would have been put in the back of the net, but still, you know, he bared down on Ben Foster and Foster made a brilliant save. Was there that agitated feeling within the stadium could you feel? Or was you, do you think it, overall people were still confident and it was just a, a freak sort of 10, 15 minutes spare where Manchester United got got a grasp of the game.
0: Yeah, I was worried. And, you know, when that goal went in, the crowd just went a little bit quieter than, than they were in the first half. And the atmosphere was still good. But, you know, as, as you say, they've, they've got superb players, world-class players. And, you know, how many times have we seen Manchester United, you know, come back from 1-2-0 down to, to uh-huh. win the game 3-2? And... And rightly so, because they sh- they should they should be doing that. They, they have players to do that. Um, and, and I was concerned it was a great, great header by Ronaldo down, down to Donny van der Beek, who, who basically just headed into, into an open net. Yeah. Um, and as you say, after that, Ronaldo had had another chance uh, through Ben Foster. Um, he had a header that went over the bar. Bruno Fernandes had a volley that just went wide of the post. So, you know, they were creating a lot of opportunities, but we held on um, and ultimately all of that led to Harry Maguire um, picking up his second yellow card of the day.
2: Yeah, what a stupid idiot, by the way. Like, I know I, I took the piss out of him at the start of the podcast, but fancy diving in like that. On, um, I, I, was it cleverly he dived in on? Um,
0: yeah, cleverly picked up the ball and you know Harry Maguire well, basically just wiped him
2: out. Why would you dive in like that on a yellow card? What, why?
1: Yellow car that he picked up about six, seven minutes earlier as well. So it was fresh in his mind as well.
2: Yeah, because um, he brought down Sa, didn't he? There was a ball over the top and he brought down Sa. And I, listen, I'm glad we don't have to dissect what was trying to go through his head at that time. But yeah, I've, idiotic. I think he's probably the. Uh, the, the the best the best use, um they did think they equalised you know 78 minutes on the clock, um you, you'd think with with them down to ten men and with Morallo within the squad you thought maybe a sigh of relief, the ball was in the net, uh, Ronaldo scored or so he thought 78 minutes on, massive sigh of relief though because he was offside luckily, so the last sort of ten minutes that that's when the heart starts pumping for me and. Then there was five minutes added on and you're like, oh my God, we've got to hold on. Yes, they're down to ten men. Watford have got to hold on for a one-goal cushion. We've got a one-goal cushion to hold on. There's five minutes. I was like pacing up and down with final score on and I was like, please, please, please. Then, 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 three minutes in, the Brazilian, João Pedro, scored against David De Gea, right? Three one, I just want to say, I am absolutely delighted for him. He had the unfortunate passing of his stepfather just days you know just days ago. now he scored his first Premier League goal and he scored his first Premier League goal against Manchester United, as Ben mentioned earlier, yes, they're not playing very well at the moment, but they are still one of the biggest clubs in the world, so all of that, and then. The thing that got me, the celebration, he was in tears. I was watching it and I was welling up, to be honest. And then yeah. the the thing that also got me was Josh King, the the embrace that Josh King gave him. I was like, oh my God, Like this is like, you know, that really got, you know, there was a lump in my throat definitely watching that. But Ben, how delighted are you for Jao Pedro? He gets his first Premier League goal and... That that was pretty much the one to wrap up the game as well. So it, it, it was a pretty important goal as well. And obviously, with everything that's been going on as well, I, you, we we can only be delighted for him, really, can't we?
1: Yeah, it got me choked up, mate. Seeing that, you just yeah. knew how much it meant to him, to his family, yeah. uh, and to his stepdad. But unfortunately, he didn't get to see his his boy score in yeah. the Premier League. Um, but he, he was shining down on him Massive. and he um, what a fantastic finish from Gael Pedro yeah. um, I know there's question marks over De Gea maybe should have done better but that was Gael Pedro after he, he just had a shot saved from De Gea about 10-15 yeah. seconds prior to that as well uh, which he probably thought he was going to score from as well so it was how he was going to react from it and he didn't dwell on it he just he stayed, he, 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 uh, stayed alive in the box the ball fell to him he just smashed it past De Gea and you could see the moment it went in he had a little smile and then he realised what he's just done he's just scored against Manchester United you just knew how much it meant to him and he kissed his tattoo on his wrist it must be something to do with his family and then yeah. pointing it up to the sky and man it was just it was it was so lovely to see and like you say the embrace from Josh King. Mm-hmm. Um I saw another angle where Therese Econ went over yes. as well and he gave him the eyes of like saying I'm proud of you mate and he yeah. he clapped him as well and then, then there's another angle when they were starting to walk back and Danny Rose actually went onto the pitch and hugged him. Oh, I didn't um, see so, that. So that was lovely to see as well, and it just shows the the, the whole togetherness in this squad as well. And he uploaded a photo on Instagram where he, um, it was a photo of him pointing to the the sky for his uh, stepfather and saying, "That was for you," and it just all the Watford teammates that he's got was commenting on it, showing him support, saying they was proud of him. Even players that we've got out on loan, yeah. um, Neagle commented on it as well and it was it was just lovely to see and it just shows the togetherness this Watford squad's got at the moment where whenever it's going tough for their, their, their mate, their colleague, um, he's struggled the last couple of weeks and they're all there for him and you could see the support and the love for him and it, it was just lovely to see.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that you've highlighted it brilliantly. There, the team togetherness at the moment, even though things haven't been, you know, great for us this season, we we are where we are in the league, but and you know we we haven't, you know, won in in a few games. Um, the 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 team togetherness really is there, and I, I think that within itself can be a factor as to why I think we can stay up. I I, I genuinely do believe we can stay up, and I think Ranieri's built going to, to be able to build something here um, and you know the scenes at full time as well, absolutely superb, um, he didn't finish 3-1, he did indeed finish 4-1, Ben Foster rounding off a superb day for him getting an assist I felt a bit sorry for Chucho Hernandez here because he's, he's gone to absolutely bollock it and he's just missed it it's just a complete air shot I'm, then, I'm
0: sure he got a touch on that by the way Keith, I thought I'm so, I'm sure he did
2: I I thought he he got a touch on it as well, but I I think Ben Foster definitely deserves the assist. Um, he sort of rounds off his uh his 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 day really because he was he was so so good. Um, so yeah, and it, it's it's classic old old style football, isn't it? You know, route one, Ben Foster, massive hoof up the pitch, and then, um, you know, next next thing you know, he um we we. We get an attack from it and Emmanuel Dennis scores and he, he makes it four one. Um James, Emmanuel Dennis, what a signing he's turning out to be for, for the money we got him for as well. He's been absolutely superb, hasn't
0: he? Oh mate, I mean I, I mean arguably he's been, he's been more important this season than than is Milo Sarah. I talked yeah, yeah. about on, on the Watford way yesterday. Um a stat and you know he's been involved in nine Premier League goals this season, four goals Five assists, only Mohamed Salah has more combined goal involvement than Emmanuel Dennis this season. And, you know, £3.5 million, surely, you know, bargain of the season, signing of the season, great finishing into the bottom uh, left hand corner. I tell you what he does have to do. He's got to stop taking his top off when he screams <laughs> because he keeps getting booked. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, James, you've these...
1: missed that one important stat, and that's the six yellow cards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not. It's on, on on that front, it's not great. But but look, in all seriousness, is you know what a bargain, what a player, and you know very very lucky to have him after you know all the question marks around him when he signed. You know he's he's, he's shut us all up basically, and um, yeah, it's a great way to to cap off the the evening. You know,
1: Absolutely. And Can I just say something about Emmanuel Dennis as well? I, I love how well he's performing at the moment, but it's kind of worrying me a little bit because the African Cup of Nations is coming up soon. Yeah. He's not been involved in the Nigeria squad off late. If this form continues, he'll get called up as well and we'll be missing him in January. So I kind of want him to calm down a little bit.
2: Well, my, uh, my told me is even more worrying. Um, I can't remember how many days exactly. But with the African Cup of Nations, they have to be there so many days before the first game of the actual tournament. So not their country's first game, the first game in the tournament. I'm pretty sure he said it was two weeks before. And yeah,
0: so I think, I, I, think that, I think Boxing Day might we, we lose all our African players.
2: And I think um, Senegal are like hot favourites to win it. So we could be without Saar for quite some time. Uh, I don't know the rules in terms of when the team gets knocked out. Are they allowed to come straight back? But yeah, we we yeah we'll we'll have to cross that bridge when it comes to it. I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, but just another thing as well, basically to round up on 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 the game and, and Emmanuel Dennis. Uh, I just want to point out a tweet here that we received from Paul fiander Turner. Um, he said, and I think he he summed it up perfectly bad attitude they said troublemaker they said doesn't play for the team they said Sucks a lot they said glad to be rid of them rid of him they said they were wrong now he's a horny he's found his home that rightly got 53 likes because he's absolutely bang on so if you're listening you know absolutely hats off to you there um he he, he you yeah, brilliantly summed up because he really is coming into his own, and like Ben says, I'm a little bit worried that he's going to get called up by Nigeria. However, Ben, have you considered that Isaac's success seems to have found his feet in Italian football, and has oh, scored he, a couple of times today? So, hopefully, they're looking at Isaac's success, and he can be the, the key man to lead uh, Nigeria to, to success in, uh, pardon the pun, in uh, the African Cup of Nations. Um, but yeah, uh, a, a brilliant, brilliant win. Sonic we needed as well, guys, because um, Norwich picked up their back-to-back wins. So, they picked up three points under new boss, Smith. Newcastle picked up a point uh, against Brentford. Burnley picked up a point against Crystal Palace. And luckily, Leeds United lost. So, no one actually gained points on us. But still, that's three of the four below us that... um, actually did pick up points over the weekend, so I think even more crucial that we did go and win, and obviously Aston Villa won as well. Our records, by the way, are identical. We've won the same games, we've drawn the same games, we've lost the same games, we've scored the same amount of goals, we've conceded the same amount of goals. Manchester United have now actually conceded more goals than us. I think it's one more, they've conceded 21, we've conceded 20. So... um really, really important to pick up that victory, Um, especially going into a game against Leicester who, um, at the moment, they're not playing too well. Now, I know over the years we don't tend to win too much at the King Power, but um, we... going into it, I I would be feeling slightly confident. I would still take a draw at this stage because Leicester on a day can be dangerous and, you know, have those sort of players that can turn it on. Uh, And, you know, whether... Rogers will want to prove a point at the moment because of the vacant position at Manchester United. Uh, he has been linked with that. So, um, oh, and also as well, if you, if on the off chance you are a Leicester fan listening to this, um, Rogers has said that he does want to stay with you. Don't believe it. He said the same about us. So, yeah, uh, just warning you about that one, guys. But, um, yeah, it, I would definitely take a point going into the next game against Leicester. But, Overall, guys, I think we can all agree, a brilliant, brilliant win uh, for for Watford against Manchester United. Uh, and it, it's absolutely superb. Um, ben, just quickly, because I know you've got to shoot off uh, any second now, going into that Leicester game, based on obviously the 4-1 demolition job of Manchester United, what are your thoughts? Would you take a point or do you think, no, nah, sod that, We, if we can beat Manu, we can go and get three points at Leicester.
1: Well, I look at Leicester being in the same situation as Manchester United at the moment. Lowing confidence, they're not playing great. I think Rodgers is under a little pressure. His head's maybe getting turned by the... Manchester United job I I don't see why we can't go there and get three points Um, Claudio Ranieri's going back to his old stomping ground where he's highly respected but he'll go there wanting to pick up three points he's not just going back there just to say hello to his old friends he's going (laughs) there to pick up three points and I I strongly believe that we can get something out of Leicester Um, especially after seeing our performance against Man United but Ranieri summed it up in his press conference it's consistency we need now yeah. Uh, we can put in the performance. We've seen it against Everton, we've seen it against Manchester United. Uh, we need consistency now, so we need to pick up points on the road at Leicester and I, I do I do think we can do that.
2: Yeah. James, going into the Leicester game, what are your initial thoughts? Um what are my initial
0: thoughts? I <laughs> I, I mean, funnily enough, I, I'm not as confident as as I was going going into the Manchester United game, which which seems crazy. Yeah. Um, I think Ben makes a good point. Leicester again, like United, are are in poor form. Um, obviously Brendan Rodgers used to manage Watford. Claudio Ranieri used to manage Leicester. There's some sort of dynamic going on there. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'd take a draw. Um, I, I definitely would take a draw. Our games after that are Chelsea, um, and Man City, which are very very tough. Um, but look, I, I don't see any reason why why we can't win the game. We've just beat Manchester United, you know, one of the biggest teams in the world. They had Ronaldo, they had Bruno Fernandes, they had Rashford, they had Sancho, and they couldn't really lay um, couldn't really lay a finger on us. So we just got to go to Leicester with belief. Um, and you know, how often do, do we beat a big team or, or get a good result and, and then throw it away the following week? We got we got to stop that pattern. Yeah. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll we'll get something from
2: from the game. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to go with a one-all draw and I will absolutely take that. Uh, as I've said, Ben has had to shoot off, so it is just me and James uh, to see out the part. Um, James, I know you're quite outlandish with your score predictions. Have you got an outlandish one for this week or are you going more sensible?
0: No, very outlandish. Just week, I'll go four nil to Watford. <laughs> Jesus Christ!
2: If only we'd asked for, if only we we talked about the Man U game last week. I, I wonder if you'd have gone outlandish then, because you, you probably would have been close <laughs> to, uh, to, um, to, to being right. To be honest, but yeah, as I say, um, you know, Leicester is the next one. Uh, also, as well, I, I was told by a Leicester City supporting friend that. Obviously, the reason it's on a Sunday is because of their Europa League involvement. They have to win that game if, they, if they're if they to stay in the Europa League. So, it's a big, big game for Leicester. They're at home to Legia Warsaw, I believe it is. Um, so... They have to win that game so maybe he's going he's gonna to have a bit of a dilemma in terms of he needs to put a full strength side out on Thursday because it's such an important game and maybe they can still be a little bit tired going into our game on Sunday but fingers crossed we can get a result against there because as you've said and as Ben has said it's all about reaction now. Yes, we've had a brilliant result against Manu at home but... Um, we we need to follow it up. We had a brilliant result against Everton. We didn't follow it up. So, yeah, it's all about following it up. So hopefully we can do that and and keep climbing the table. Because if we get another win, we we we'd be on sixteen points. We'd be o- occupying good company. Uh, yet so many people pundit wise seem to think we've had a shocking season. You know, I think we're on the same points as Brentford. How many people have I heard say Brentford have had a good start? Oh, but Watford haven't. We're on the same points. So, And I think with Dean Smith taking over at Norwich, I think that's a very, very good appointment. And I think they're going to hit a bit of runner form as well. Uh, so we need to start picking up points because teams below um, us... I'd will love
0: to keep a end. clean sheet away at Leicester as well. First clean sheet of the season.
2: Yeah, yeah, I th- I, I, I agree. But I, I do, unfortunately, think it'll be 1-1. Jeremy Vardy always seems to get the better of us. And I know what will happen. I think I said this on the pod the other week. He'll go through 1-1 and Foster will come out and bring him down and it'll be a Penalty and Vardy will score because that's that that has happened various times against Watford. So yeah, um, but Ben Foster is no stranger to making penalty saves. I think he's got the record for the most penalty saves in the Premier League. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's no stranger to to making penalty saves. So maybe if, if Vardy was to get one, maybe Foster would save it. Yeah. Um. But just a few bits of Watford news uh, to to finish the pod on. Um, something which I did want to mention was um, uh, there was some very sad news that come out of Watford's fan base the other day. Um, a gentleman called Kev Norman, who hadn't missed a Watford or England game since the 90s, sadly passed away uh, the other day. Uh, I didn't know Kev personally, uh as as many people on social media, you, you obviously pick it up uh and you know, he was quite obviously a uh a avid, avid Watford and England fan, as I've just said, having not missed a game uh home or away since the um since since the 90s So very, very sad news and um I'm glad to hear that it, it was um he's you know, his life was well sort of celebrated. There was a minute's applause in the 60th minute um, on the Manchester United game. So our thoughts go out to his friends and family. Some, Some very, very sad news which we've um, you know, un- unfortunately, had to 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 bring. So like I say, for, thoughts with the friends and family of Kev Norman. Um, and then just so a, a bit of injury news, because uh, as we know, Watford always seem to have a lot of injury news, uh, a lot of injuries. Sorry, Christian Cabaselli is progressing well in his recovery from a hamstring strain. Uh, he's now running outside and hoping to rejoin the squad for full training in the next two weeks, which is brilliant um and ken semmer who withdrew from the sweden squad with an mcl injury um to his knee ahead of the international break is also working hard in his rehabilitation and he'll also begin to look he'll also be- Begin to start looking at running outside next week, and then Quad Bois has undergone surgery on his fractured ankle and he's in the process of beginning his rehab. While long-term absentee Peter Etterbo is currently working hard on his recovery in the gym, uh, and then just a, a bit of um, sort of marketing news, really. I think James, it's quite an interesting one. It's definitely one that's divided opinion on social media. Um, the daughter of Gianpaolo Pozzo and Watford's marketing, uh, marketing strategic coordinator, Magda Pozzo, has claimed that she is planning to sell the naming rights to Vicarage Roads. Now, um, obviously, Udinese, I think it's the Dacia Arena. I don't know if I pronounced that right. The, yeah. the car yeah. brand. Uh, I think that they were shirt sponsors as well. Um, so... Yeah, I, I've i Udinese a, a few years ago, but James, like I say, this one's sort of divided opinion. We won't go into great detail of I it, mean, but some people saying, well, it'll always be Vicarage Road. Why are they going to do this? Etc, etc. But then if you look on the other hand, if it brings in more investment, I think it's quite clear at the moment that, you know, you're looking at other teams, West Ham. Had a Czech billionaire invest, um, which just sort of eases a load off the potsos. When they took over, brilliant, yeah, the money we had, the resources we had available for the division we had was superb. We're now in the Premier League, we're now in 2021 we probably could do with extra investment we probably you know could do with an investor coming in and looking at investing so many million pounds so that maybe a weight is taken off the the potso's shoulders so what's your view on it are you all for it or are you dead against it
0: um i'm all for it as long as it's in the right circumstances obviously um you know, the comparison I would make would be, you know, my cashier Newcastle, you know, putting up the Sports Direct branding everywhere, um, everywhere that you can see in a stadium, you know, on the outside, on the inside, in the concourses. Um, I wouldn't want Vicarage Road to look like that. But as you say, um, it's quite evident with, with the loans Watford have taken out that there is a little bit of um, an issue there in terms of revenue and, and, you know, investing into the squad. I think Watford only have a little bit of wiggle room left in, in terms of financial fair play and, and how much we can spend on players. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, you know, I, I agree with the fans who, who are saying it, it will always be Vicarage Road because, you know, that's what me oh, yeah. and you, Mike, we'll, 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 call so Watford, we'll call it the Vic. Um, and if it's the the Nissan arena, the Ford arena, whatever, whatever investors mm-hmm. come in, um As long as we're doing it for for the greater good of the club, um, I I don't have a a big problem with it, really.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And like you just said, it it will always be the Vic, no matter if we get a sponsorship or what, it it will always be the Vic. But if it provides, um, you know, extra investment, then as you've just said, I am all for it because it it is something that we need. And interesting, you mentioned the loans there. Uh, There was a little bit of worry Adam Leventhal has released a article on The Athletic. So go and check that out. It explains it perfectly. And yeah, there's nothing to worry about. We, we're not doing it. Um, you know, they, they're, they're doing it within good reason, basically. Um, but we, we really do thank you for, for listening to the podcast. Like I say, it's been a week since we've been able to do, do one because of the uh, stupid international break. Uh, and it, It has been a little bit later because Ben went to see McFly, but never mind. We are back. We got to talk about that win that I was so hoping that we got at the end of each podcast. Uh, And let's just hope this run continues. And like I say, I'll be happy with a draw against Leicester. Uh, We will be back next week, whether it's on the Sunday, whether it's on the Monday. Uh, We will communicate that to you guys. But um, till then, stay safe and come on your